The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome, 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 welcome. Jeff, Second Stage, we're back again. This is awesome. We are back again, and uh, I was I was reflecting as we were sitting here to come on air how quickly the summer always goes, and it's very very frustrating for someone that likes warm weather like I do. I feel like this is kind of the kickoff of the rest of the business year. This day, this very single day, what they say today is the tenth of August, right? Yep. Today is the kickoff day of the rest of the business year. So. Well, uh, sure, but explain what that means to evolution and how our cycle goes kind of throughout the year. Well, um, we a lot of times we find, and I think the data would back it up, that um, that, that people, not only investors that uh, that like to talk to us about potentially investing the fund, but but as as much uh, entrepreneurs looking to make a transition in their business, tend to not think about a lot of that stuff in the heat of summer. You agree with that, Jeff? That is exactly right, and it starts to warm up uh, as we we approach Labor Day. Once kids go back to school, school buses start rolling, things like that. I would say that it probably officially the beginning of the rest of the business year is probably after, um, was it Labor Day? Labor Day? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. But uh, but we're going to kick it off a little early this year because uh, you know our kids are, you know, going back starting sports and that sort of band camps and that sort of thing. So you and I have to start a little earlier. Yeah, <laughs> that is right. But you know, uh, it seems that in the summertime with uh, vacation schedules and catching up with our partner companies and all the other stuff that we do at Evolution, the summers go remarkably fast. So. While I'm excited for the rest of the year, I'm mildly depressed that we're in the uh, the uh, the final weeks of, of what I consider summer. I agree. I agree. But we've been busy. We've been hitting the road. We've got lots and lots of travel, and uh, we've got lots of great stuff to talk about. And I understand you had a uh, you uh, handled the last show, Jeff. Uh, and I understand. And I'm actually really bummed out because I hear uh, Clint Greenleaf had some great things to say about personal finance, which, as you know, is a personal passion of mine. It, it is. So for someone like yourself to redoes your personal balance sheet every month, this would have been a wonderful. <laughs> I look forward to it. I actually look forward to it. I just topped it off, uh, you know, for the July balance sheet last uh, or personal financial uh, last night, Jeff. I know you're pretty excited to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I can't say that I've done that recently. I, I don't enjoy it quite as much as you. Maybe because I'm just my my personal financial prospects aren't as good as yours no that's that can't be true it's just a, it's just knowing that uh you know it's all just knowing you're a little bit better off this month than you were last month but uh 
I may be a little a little unique in that regard. But tell me yeah. uh, something a little bit about what Cliff had to say because I understand we we add, added some new stuff to our website uh, that kind of some we some, did uh, well. Well, Clint was was a wonderful guest, uh, and it was really interesting that, uh, like a lot of our very successful entrepreneurs, uh, he took a, an extra and added interest in his uh, employees and the people that worked at his business, and he had noticed that a lot of them really didn't have the first clue about uh, how to handle personal financials. And what he realized was that as he began to educate his employees about personal financial management, that they began to, his employees began to incorporate those ideas and concepts in the decision making at his company. And as a result of that, the overall quality and health of his organization improved as his employees became more sophisticated in uh, financial concepts and financial management. And, uh, and you know, he obviously benefited a great deal from it. His employees and benefited a great deal from it. And it was just, a, it was a wonderful, uh, you know, cycle. And so really what he does now as part of his business is he goes out and speaks to, uh, you know, business groups. He speaks to uh, schools. Uh, he speaks at community events about the importance of financial management. And also tying, you know, this whole notion of uh, you know, improving your employees' financial uh, understanding with the health of your overall business. So it was a great, uh, great episode. And uh, Clint was uh, kind enough to share some of his materials uh, with our audience. And Evolution has uploaded into our website, evolutioncp.com. Under our resource center, there is a uh, a link to some uh, you know initial uh, kind of a checklist, if you will, uh, and some resource material that uh, that Clint suggests you begin with as as you go through the uh, the education process. You know, Jeff, I, I this gets underplayed way too often about how important this is, and quite frankly, I, I fear um, you know, how how little of a base of general financial knowledge or personal finance knowledge that um, that that the average person in the United States actually has. And and uh, you know, it, it it really is it's something as we as we know uh, from Jack Stack's great game of business, he spends a. a you know, he has thousands of employees and spends an hour a week per employee teaching them about income statements, balance sheets, personal finance, business finance, and um, you know, it's uh, you know, he swears it's uh, it's an investment that pays off uh, you know over and over and over again. So, I, 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 quite frankly, I wish we were doing more of that, uh, you know, across our our partner companies and so forth. And well, it means we got to figure out a way to get it done, right? Sure, sure. And, you know, again, this goes back to the culture in an organization, and we have included that in our five pillars of business success and that, uh, you know, if you're going to be transparent and sharing the information like the Open Book Management and Jack Stack, that you also need to hold these folks accountable as they begin to make decisions, uh, you know, within within your business. And the transparency is very, very important if you want to scale your business and, and take it to the next level. So anyway, Clint was a wonderful guest, you know, like all great uh, entrepreneurs, he was uh, also willing to be a mentor and uh, he shares all that information and it was uh 
it was a, a, a great, uh, great episode. Uh, before we go much farther, I want to remind everyone that each week we want to provide actionable advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. We want to hear what works and what doesn't. We want to hear. Uh, we want to create a true community of entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs. You can also email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com, and uh, we have our own uh, Twitter handle at the second stage, which is uh, at uh, the and then two nd stage, uh, and uh, we have a wonderful guest on today. Uh, Dory Clark, uh, she she has such a wonderful, uh, complete and full uh, LinkedIn page that it would be very difficult to capture all the things that she has done. But suffice it to say, she is a sought after uh, speaker, uh, contributor, editor, author, uh, thought leader, forward thinker, uh, and somebody that we're very lucky to have on our show. And uh, when we come back from this first break here on the second stage, we'll be with our guest, Dory Clark, and we're going to have the opportunity to talk about some of her her new books and also uh, get to ask her a lot of questions about, um, you know, reinventing yourself and uh, uh, and. Just very, very briefly, uh, she has a website, www.doryclark.com. That's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. And she also has a Twitter handle, at Dory Clark. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the second hey, stage. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Yes, Before sir? you sign off, there's two things I, I'm really excited to find out. How you, According to your LinkedIn page, she's Master's of Theological Studies at Harvard. So how you get from that to... You know, being a, a, a great speaker and, 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 and thought leader on thought leadership, because that seems like that's a pretty you know, crazy thing. And then lastly, I'm hoping that she can answer that, that question that you and I continue to argue about, about whether you accept every LinkedIn invitation you get if you think they're a real person. So I, those are the two things that I'm really looking forward to, because uh, you, know, you and I have been arguing about that for too long. So anyways, you were, I apologize, you were signing off. Yes, I, I was, but that's okay. You're always yeah. adding value to our show, and yeah. I appreciate yeah. that very much. Thank you. Uh, so when you come back, we'll be with our guest, Dory Clark. Thanks for tuning in to The Second Stage. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance Tax Consulting. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Caddick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. And for the very first time, I forgot to do something I always do at the end of the first segment, Brendan, which is take a moment to thank our sponsor, who is McGladry LLP. They're a provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. Uh, as I said in the first segment, our guest today is Dory Clark. Uh, she can be found at www.doryclark.com or at Dory Clark on Twitter. She is an adjunct professor of business administration at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business and the author of Reinventing You and Stand Out, a former presidential campaign spokeswoman. She is a frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, Time, an entrepreneur, recognized as a brand expert by the Associated Press, Inc., and Fortune. Uh, Dory Clark is a marketing strategy consultant and speaker for clients including Google, Microsoft, Yale, Fidelity, and the World Bank. So, uh, as I said, she's done a lot in a little bit of time. Thank you for being on the second stage, Dory. Thank you. Great to be speaking with you, gentlemen. Hey, Dory, you obviously have wonderful, wonderful content out there, and uh, but I just – it's – it's kind of crazy. How, how? Tell me about your background and how you went from studying theological studies to being a best-selling author on in kind of uh, in, in breakthrough idea thoughts. <laughs> well, for for me, it's uh, like like a lot of good entrepreneurial stories. It starts with failure. <laughs> and so uh, for me, I uh, I actually thought I was going to be an academic, and so after I finished my uh, master's degree. I applied to doctoral programs, and I got—I did not get into any of the doctoral programs that I applied to. So I really had to recalibrate, and I got a job as a political journalist. And I thought, oh, that's you know, that's going to be great. That's exciting. I could I could do that. And then uh, I, I, it turned out I entered journalism at just the wrong time. And about a year into the start of my journalism career, I got laid off, and I couldn't find any more journalism jobs because they were just vanishing. And so. It took me a while to uh, to figure out uh, what I wanted to do professionally, and that process of actually finding where I wanted to make a mark was what led me to write my first book, Reinventing You, where I talk about uh, the the process of uh, of discovering the the career, the job, the path that you want to be on, and how to make sure that once you are getting there, that other people begin to recognize your talents and abilities. 
I realize I'll be way off my script, but maybe talk about that process. How did you go through that, and 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 and, and how did that how did that come to you? Because I think that that's not that's not natural for most people. Would be my guess. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that that I learned through my own experience and uh, in the course of researching Reinventing You, I I certainly heard this again and again from professionals who had been through a similar reinvention, is that it it turns out, uh, contrary to I think what a lot of us um, just inherently imagine, most other people are not paying very close attention to us. And so the truth is, is that you run into people and their ideas about who you are and what you're doing are oftentimes even as much as several years out of date because they, they just have not been tuning in to you. And so particularly if you're in the process of, uh, of a reinvention, that becomes challenging because you need to get the people that you know who already know you and like you on board and to be supportive for this next chapter. But if they have no clue or if, as is sometimes the case, they're a little bit skeptical, they might take the attitude, well, you know, what does she know about that? I mean, you know, she could do this thing but this other thing, I don't know. Um, it, it can create some problems. And so what it really solidified for me, and this is something that I talk about a lot in Reinventing You, is the importance of taking control of your own narrative. We cannot ever sit back and just assume that our work is going to speak for itself or that our intentions are magically going to be known and understood by other people. You have to be communicating all along the way about where you're going, where you're heading, and especially how your past experience is relevant to and helpful for your new direction. Because if you let others tell that story, it's probably not going to be accurate and it's probably not going to be as favorable. All right. So most people would have lots and lots, or they would, they would potentially have lots of passions. How, how do you, how do you find, how do you get it down to one or two or how, tell me how the, how, how you did, how you tackled that problem? Well, this was, this was something that was certainly a challenge for me. I mean, you know, every, every once in a while you, you find somebody who, oh, you know, since they've been five years old, they've known what they wanted to do. But I think for a lot of people, and I definitely include myself in this category, um, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of uh, possibilities that you could pursue. And so um, what I discovered myself and then through the research process in, in writing my books um, is that actually one of the best ways, if you are passionate about a lot of other things and it, you know, sometimes it almost pains you to, uh, to have to choose because, you know, it seems sort of random and arbitrary and like you're closing doors needlessly. Um, what I propose to people is that you, you actually, uh, in, in some ways, shouldn't choose, but you should set up small bets or experiments so that the market can choose. And I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. Um, Because, of course, logically, you can't do everything at the same time. But, for instance, uh, for me, I knew for for a long time that I wanted to write a book. That was something I had always wanted to do. Um, But I wasn't really sure what I wanted to write the book about. I had a lot of different ideas. Um, Plenty of them seemed compelling to me. But it turned out that that what actually uh, made the decision for me was I started blogging. And in the course of blogging, you know, which in a lot of ways is kind of a, a little bet. It's a little experiment where instead of writing a you know, 60,000 word book, you write a 700 word blog post and then you see how people react to it. And so I was writing tons of blog posts and one of them, which it turned out uh, became the genesis of Reinventing You, actually uh, took off and, and gained traction. 
the, the market told me what people were interested in. And so when I saw that momentum, it was pretty easy to jump on it and say, oh, okay, cool, I'll, I'll pursue this. But it, it actually probably would have been very hard for me to pull the trigger and make the decision on my own without that feedback. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. So, so what is more, because you actually answered my question, which was how do you determine whether or not what you're saying is interesting at all to people out there? Um, but what, what is more difficult is, is becoming or finding something that people want to hear or is it being heard and getting that platform that people you know, will will receive you know the you know because everyone's getting so much information every day. How do you get their attention? Which which is harder to do? <laughs> yeah, they're they're both pretty challenging for sure. Um, but actually, I, I think uh, part of the reason that I wrote my second book, Stand Out, is uh, to to address this latter uh, concern because we do live in a world now where there is, there is so much noise. There's so many uh, voices competing for our attention. Um, 1.4 million books were published in 2013. Every every minute. 100 hours of video is uploaded to YouTube, and every day, 500 million tweets are sent out. So, I mean, it's just more information than any human being could could possibly take in. So, I, I think that, that actually it is a serious problem that these days, no matter how good your ideas are, I mean, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the advice that you may have received from your parents, oh, just work hard, you'll be recognized eventually, people will notice, you know, that might have been true in that world where you were um, working with the same people over time, you were probably staying in the same job for long periods of time, but now we are moving too fast for that. You cannot make that assumption anymore that, uh, that just good things will rise to the top. You have to take a more proactive uh, effort to make sure that your ideas do spread. So I, the latter half of Stand Out is actually breaking down this process of how ideas spread. First, uh, within your own circle, the you know building your network. Next, uh, I, I talk about building your audience so that you have kind of a more uh, public-facing uh, view and, and the public can find you. And then third and finally, it's about building your community so that your audience members get excited enough about your idea that it's no longer just you talking about it, but instead they're talking to each other about it, and you can gain uh, exponential momentum for your ideas. Wow. The, uh, you mentioned in Stand Out that some people have you know, come to prominence by conducting research. You know, the concept of conducting research to find your, 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 your great idea seems a little crazy to me, but how do you respond to that, to that reaction? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, when people here conduct research, they think, oh, well, you know, like a scientist does research in a lab. Uh, you know, sure, that's great, but I'm not a scientist. Or, you know, maybe they think of a, uh, you know, a, a statistician crunching numbers. Um, and, of course, you know, most of us don't have high-level training in those things, and so we might think that, uh, that research is off-limits to us. However, um, in the course of researching Standout, I, I came across some really interesting examples. I mean, fundamentally, when I talk about uh, conducting original research, this is basically just saying, 
how can you contribute new information to the discourse? Everybody has an opinion. I mean, you know, you or I could uh, sit around and, and talk about, uh, you know, what, what happened on the Kardashians TV show last night. But, you know, who, who cares? That's, that's random opinion. It's nothing new. Um, but if you want to have something new, there's interesting ways of doing it. And so in Standout, I profile a guy named Michael Waxenberg, just a, a regular guy. And he got inspired because he was deciding uh, – whether or not to buy an apartment in New York City. And so he got into it, and he started visiting all of these open houses, like a lot of people. But unlike a lot of people, he began taking really meticulous notes and writing reviews of the property that were very smart, very nuanced, very detailed. And instead of keeping those reviews to himself, he posted them on a real estate website where other people could see them and and be helped by them. And before long, he actually started getting messages of people saying, oh, I love your reviews. I want you to be my realtor. I want you to represent me. But the problem was he wasn't a realtor. He was just a regular guy. But because he got so many inquiries, he actually has been able to build up a side business, a very lucrative side business as a realtor without any marketing or any effort, uh, simply because he he did this. He created his own research, i.e. reviews, and the business came to him. Wow. I love it. What, what, right, so tell what, me about. What, what, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say. So, what were the, I guess, the common uh, attributes of the people that you focused on in your book, Stand Out? So, in in uh, writing Stand Out, I interviewed about fifty top thought leaders in a variety of different fields, and I wanted to uh, to really get a diversity of professions so that I could try as best I could to understand the DNA of thought leadership. You know, essentially, what what is it? You know, regardless of your field, that makes people stand out and become recognized as experts. So I talked to people from business, technology, productivity, uh, from urban planning, from genomics, from real estate, from bicycle advocacy, uh, and, uh, and, and really tried to, uh, to get the cross-section. And in terms of what they had in common, uh, I would say that uh, there were you know, a, a few things. Most importantly, um, when it comes to being a thought leader, you know, a truly respected expert, expert in your field, there's two key elements that you must have just definitionally. The first is that you have to have an idea that you are known for. There has to be intellectual heft and substance behind what you're doing. I think that today, uh, for any professional, for any small business owner, uh, it really pays to be known for your ideas. That is a powerful branding calling card for yourself. But the second part, which often gets overlooked, is that you have to be willing to roll up your sleeves uh, and promote these ideas. As we were talking about earlier, you can't just assume that word will spread on its own. You need to get out there and talk about it and market it and build a following. Uh, because otherwise your idea is likely in this climate to die on the vine. So how do you roll up your sleeves? Is it, is it blogging? Is it, is it, tell me how, how, how you roll up your sleeves. How do you get the message out? So we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but basically in this three-step process, the first part is getting, getting a trusted group of advisors around you. You know, that's the kind of local internal network of people who can help you refine your ideas, give you honest feedback, make sure that, uh, you know, that, that you're uh, putting the best ideas possible into the marketplace. That's really necessary to have some kind of support as you begin to spread your ideas. The second part, the more public part, as you're alluding to, is uh, building your audience 
And blogging is, is certainly great. That's certainly one of the best ways to do it. The Internet makes this easier than ever. So depending on your audience, your niche you're trying to reach, it could be blogging, it could be podcasts, it could be video blogs, it could be other forms of social media like Twitter, or Instagram, um, or Pinterest. Uh, it could just be giving old-fashioned speeches, but it is somehow finding ways to make your ideas accessible, writing books, um, yet, yet another way. Uh, and then finally, um, once you've done enough of that, you begin to, to trigger the viral elements of your idea because you start to get talked about. You start to get cited by other people, and that's where your idea becomes a little bit of a snowball and gains momentum. So go back to the trusted group of advisors. Help me under, help me picture what that. Um, what what that looks like for an average breakthrough idea or, or how you go about building that group of people. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the concepts that I talk about in my first book, Reinventing You, is the fact that I believe pretty strongly that the nature of mentorship has changed in our contemporary society. I mean, we still have this kind of legacy idea of what a mentor is, which is, oh, you know, it's this accomplished older professional. It's someone who is, who is just like me, but maybe 15 years older and wants to steer me in a benevolent fashion. And that's great. I mean, who wouldn't like something like that? But the problem is that those people hardly exist anymore. Um, you, you don't have a class of people now as you used to in the past who are 60-year-old professionals that are still making a lot of money, but they don't really have a lot of responsibilities, and so they can just nurture the next generation. Um, if, if anyone in the workforce is making a lot of money these days, they have to work like a dog for it. <laughs> and so they don't have time to do mentorship. Right. And there's been a little bit of, a, uh, of a, uh, a gap and a disconnect. And so what I argue is that we really need to reconfigure our ideas about mentorship. And instead of putting all our eggs in one basket and looking for one perfect person, what we need to do is develop our own mentor board of directors. And basically what this should look like is you identify the key traits that you think are, are most important to your growth, things that you really want to learn or, or you know, double down on. And then think about friends that you have. You know, they could be peers. They could be uh, senior people. They could even be subordinates, the people who have those traits. They don't have to be your mentor in everything, but they could be your mentor in the thing they do well. And then find ways to learn from them in those contexts. When you develop your idea and you, and you think you got that idea and you're running it by these advisors, and I think that, and, and I don't want this to be the uh, Brendan Anderson get get uh, consulting uh, hour, but you know, I'm, since I have you on the phone, I might as well ask. Um, you know, there are times where, like, like I think would say that Jeff and I, our advisors, are, are worried about some of the, you know, the ways we go. You know, whether you know whether whether we would uh, offend some of the traditional say, private equity or valuation model or whatever, um, how much are – when you are – when you're going down these new kind of thought leader ideas, are you worried about stepping on toes or worried about offending the, the, the powers that be? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, the, the truth is, of course, that uh, almost definitionally when you, when you have a really big idea – it is going to be disruptive, and it is going to upset the status quo. Um, you know, you're not going to be in trouble for uh, for saying, "Oh, you know, I think I think we should take this product and make it a quarter of an inch bigger." I mean, whatever. Who cares? People are not even going to notice. But 
when you have an idea that is really unorthodox, you know, an idea that actually has the potential to be really big, um, that is going to threaten somebody's turf. And, uh, and so what, what I suggest to people is that you, you know, if, you have to run through a couple of questions. So, all right, it's a little bit of a, a wild and, and crazy idea, maybe. If that's the case, uh, you know, clearly other people have not done it. Um, why haven't they done it? Well, one possibility that you have to really uh, think about is they haven't done it because it's a bad idea. And so that's why you have those advisors, to really run the paces, to really ask you the tough questions so that you can say, all right, have I really looked at this? Are there blind spots? Am I just missing something big here? Um, you have to go face-to-face with that. But if once you do that, um, you, you say, you know what, it's actually not a bad idea. It's actually a good idea, but it hasn't been done for other reasons. Maybe it's political reasons. Maybe it's turf reasons, you know, whatever it is. Um, if, you, if you feel that the idea itself is solid, then you have to acknowledge that there is going to be blowback, but if the idea is big enough, it will make it worthwhile for you. And in Stand Out, I actually profile a woman, uh, you know, this is kind of in a similar vein. Her name is Diane Mulcahy, and she is uh, she's a person who handles investments for the Kauffman Foundation, which is a very large foundation that uh, supports entrepreneurship in the United States. And she issued a highly critical report on the venture capital industry, and she got word from a lot of people that it was going to be uh, really unpopular, and it was really unpopular, but she believed that it was true. She, you know, triple-checked her numbers. She knew it was right, and even though she got heat for it, she uh, was able to establish her brand in a powerful way as a truth-teller because she stood by her data. Yeah, I, I that's a that's an interesting point, especially that specific point. Um, but you, know, you make a really important point there, Dory. Though that she checked her numbers. I mean, you've got to be. I, I mean, it, at its base, you have to be credible. Whether you're a subject matter expert or if you're a whistleblower, because you have your facts right. I mean, wouldn't you say that that's the most critical point? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, I mean, it, it almost doesn't matter, you know, who, who in, in whatever situation uh, you're criticizing or you're going after or whatever, um, it, they, um, there's, there's always going to be arguments that you could make on one side or another about, about uh, almost anything. But whatever argument you're making, it, you have to be able to, with a straight face, say, you know, no, look, look at this. Here is why I am reaching the conclusion that I am. And you need to make sure that even if someone with the opposite viewpoint looked at that, that they could at least say, well, I don't agree with you, but I at least see how you got here. Wow. I, um, obviously, we're, we're, we're uh, our audience are mostly entrepreneurs, and you know Jeff and I um, will frequently. If you can look at the the niche we play in, that you know entrepreneurs start a business, they grow it, and then they as they as they grow it, they start spending less and less time with their kind of true unique strengths or unique abilities, and. And, and I just I look at one of the questions that we were kind of talking about is that you know, helping the entrepreneur find that unique strength and um, maybe you can give us some examples of how you've seen entrepreneurs you know find you know what you know what what, what their true uniques are. Yes, yes. So when it comes to uh, to finding your unique strengths, 
um, this can be this can be a real challenge because um, what I discovered is you know in, in doing all of these interviews I mean most people have a really hard time uh, understanding um, what's unique, what's different about them. And in fact, interestingly enough, um, I spoke with one woman who is a career coach. She used to run uh, Radcliffe Career Services at Harvard. And, uh, and she told me that, that the, the, generally the higher performing the person is that would come in as a client for her, the less likely they were to be able to see their strengths because they were uh, they were so self-critical, you know. They they had and partly they had achieved their success because they kept pushing themselves further and never being satisfied. But it meant that they had a really hard time seeing what was good about them. And so one of the things I suggest in reinventing you as uh, a kind of necessary first step is actually reaching out to other people and uh, and asking because they they can see things that you can't. And so one very simple uh, quick exercise that people can do is over the course of let's say a week go to about half a dozen friends or colleagues and ask them a very simple quick question. If you only had 3 words to be able to describe me, what would they be? And in uh, in asking this question, by the time you get to the fourth or fifth person giving you an answer, uh, it can be very powerful because you are absolutely going to see patterns in what they're saying. Uh, they can be very informative to you. Now, once you see the patterns, is that something you run to? Or um, tell me, so I got the say I can get the pattern. Then what do I do with that pattern? Yeah, so so it uh, this takes us to the second step, which is once you get clear on what your brand is right now, you have to make uh, an executive decision about whether that's what you want it to be or whether you would actually prefer to uh, to reshape it or pivot it in some way. Um, you know, if you if you feel like the brand that that you have is the brand that you want, great, okay, fantastic. Um, you know, you can choose to double down on it if you like. It sounds like it's working for you. Um, but you made, I mean, you know, a, an objection that people raise sometimes is, oh, you know, people aren't going to really tell me the truth. They're not going to say bad things or whatever. And of course, that's right. No one's going to say something really bad to your face. But they are going to say things that are true. And what I mean by this is that you need to you need to listen to what they're saying and ask yourself a couple of things. One, of course, is is this the brand that I want? But number two, is it possible that this is so much of a strength for me that it actually is a weakness? I mean, if you if you keep hearing from people, oh, um, you know, you're so good at being tactical, uh, you're so good at being detail oriented. Wow, you're you know, you're just really meticulous or whatever. Those are all wonderful things to be. Those are in fact complementary terms, but they're not terms for leaders. If you want to be the CEO of a company and you're really detail-oriented and meticulous, that's actually going to be a problem pretty fast. And what you could do once you hear that is say, oh, okay, I really need to amp up my brand in terms of areas like being a visionary or being charismatic or being a good communicator because those are the marks of who somebody wants to be their leader. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell me, the, tell me the biggest mistakes, maybe three biggest mistakes that the entrepreneurs do with their personal branding. Well, when it comes to, uh, to mistakes that entrepreneurs make for their personal brands, uh, there's a few key ones. I mean, one, uh, as we alluded to earlier, is not taking control of their narrative. Um, okay. I, I really would like 
everybody to be able to have a, uh, a short, succinct way to describe, uh, you know, not, not just who they are, not just, you know, sort of elevator pitch, you know, hi, I'm Bob, I sell insurance, but, um, but a way of describing where they came from and how that adds value to where they're going. Um, I would like people to be able to, to really describe a narrative arc. So, you know, for me, for instance, I could, uh, I could grab one element of my bio out of my past uh, and, you know, say something like, um, you know, uh, having been a presidential campaign spokesperson where I really learned how to get your message out even when you're facing adverse circumstances and the press and your opponents are trying to knock you off message, that was great preparation for me now because when I work for clients, I'm able in a very crowded media environment uh, with, uh, you know, with social media and emails coming out the wazoo, I'm able to help my clients refine their message and spread it in a targeted way. You know, if you, if you say something like that, um, then people say, oh, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. I can, I can see why that would be relevant. Whereas if you just said, oh, she did politics and now she does marketing, uh, people might say, well, okay, why? You know, that sounds random. Um, so you want to really connect the dots. You want to create a through line for people. So I think that's the biggest thing. Another thing that I'll just say quickly is that uh, I think everybody these days, every professional is very clued into the idea that, um, you know, they know you shouldn't have negative stuff about you on the internet. Everyone knows that's bad. But I think that what has been lost, what a lot of people are not taking advantage of, is they don't realize the importance proactively of having good things about you on the internet. And it's, it's not that hard. You know, you just do, uh, you know, occasional blogging or, or you get active in creating some kind of content, but you want to see the internet with positive visions of you uh, doing smart professional things. And if you, if you make that happen, you can really create uh, a, a kind of halo around you that can be very powerful when it's time for a job or getting consulting clients or what have you. So uh, about establishing that positive vibe about you in the social uh, media, uh, talk a little bit briefly about how to grow your network in your field and how should people go about doing that? So when it comes to, to growing your network in your field, um, there's, there's a few different things that I would recommend people do. I mean, one way uh, that, that actually a lot of people don't even think of is networking, but I, I think is rather valuable, uh, is actually going back to content creation. Um, you can use content creation to kill two birds with one stone. You can write a piece and let's say there's somebody you want to meet, you could mention them in that article and then send them the article. And so from the beginning, you have the opportunity to get in front of them in a very positive way. Um, another, uh, another strategy, of course, is you could interview them for something, whether it's a podcast or a blog or an article, and then that's a way to, to connect with them and build a real-life relationship with them. And... Um, I, you know, other more targeted strategies, something that I do uh, pretty frequently is uh, I try to organize a lot of uh, dinner gatherings. And, you know, you could, you could do this, of course, with whatever you like. I mean, it could be food. It could be uh, that you, you know, have pickup basketball games. It could be that you invite people to, uh, to, you know, the baseball stadium with you. It could be, um, you know, you go to wine tastings, whatever you like. Um, but I, I try to organize pretty regularly uh, groups of people who don't know each other, um, but it's specific 
basically going to be a networking dinner. And so it's small, um, but, you know, people go because they know that everybody who's there is going to be interesting and, uh, and that they'll emerge having spent a couple of hours but gotten to meet, uh, you know, eight or ten really interesting folks. Well, Dora, I tell you, it's uh, it's <laughs> normally we take breaks, you know, during these shows. But when we have somebody like you that is very articulate, very sharp, very on message, it, why waste our time with taking a break? But unfortunately, we are at the point where our show is is running towards its conclusion, and we do, in fact, have to take a break. Uh, but you've been wonderful on the show, and I want to encourage everybody to uh, look into purchasing both of your books. The first is Reinventing You, which you published in 2013, and the most recently, Stand Out. We've talked a little bit about uh, each one of these books on our show, and you can I, I actually followed you on this uh, on Twitter while you were talking <laughs> uh, today, and uh, certainly go to www.doryclark.com. But uh, thank you very much for your insights on the second stage, Dory, and uh, we would love to have you back when you uh, come out with uh, your next book. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank Thanks you, for tuning in to the second stage. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of, a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance Tax Consulting. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the second stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. We just concluded our uh, last episode or last segment with our guest, Dory Clark, who can be found at, at Dory Clark on Twitter. She has a website, www.doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-R. 
M-A-R-K.com. Uh, and she's written two books, which we'd encourage you to uh, go read because we have uh, done a review and I'll certainly read it after listening to Dory on the show. The first is called Reinventing You and the second is Stand Out. What did you think, Brennan? I loved it. I, uh, I was, every time I, we have a great speaker like Dory or you know, a great presenter or great concepts and so forth, I'm always bummed out I haven't read the book in advance of talking because I, you know, I will definitely read the book. It's uh, – uh, you know, it's there's some great stuff there, and you know what's what's really neat is you know she's a she's a pretty she's a very transparent uh, person. You can get on her website and download. She's got a 139 question guide to uh, uh, your standout self assessment. So you know it, it, it's a uh, you know really a lot of her content, a lot of the, the great stuff is is there, and so it's a uh, as you can tell, I'm a I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big a big fan. Well, you know, when I started preparing for the show, and I was look, you know, on her website and looking at the, uh, the 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 book material, I was saying this is perfect for for evolution because you know we're still trying to introduce our ideas out there into the market. And then as I was thinking, I said, "Wait a minute, this applies to anybody that's really trying to get a message out or establish themselves in their in their community and their network and their industry." It's just great, great material. But when she's talking about it, I, I can I can picture you know presenting to, you know when you and I present to institutional investors and we talk about investing in the lower end of the market and we believe in it and we know why it's a good idea and we feel like we've shown and you just look at their eyes like God guys I'm pulling for you I just don't believe in it yet and and you know so. You know, like any great entrepreneur, and I'm not saying that you and I are great entrepreneurs yet, um, although I kind of deep down really believe that we are, but set that part aside. Um, the, you know, we believe it and we, we, we you know, we're developing the data and so forth to, to prove it out. And so it, it, it's it's a fun, it's fun to listen to somebody kind of put it in context and put it in a, in a you know, kind of help explain some of the things that we've gone through. And quite frankly, maybe, you know, it, it should help us stay a little more focused and refined. Which is always is always a challenge, but what, what I liked about what she was saying was she has developed an established process, you know, for introducing new ideas, uh, for getting that material out to the market, and for somebody like me, uh, I like to follow a process uh, that that she knows has worked for her, you know. Time and again, and if you look at her uh, her LinkedIn page, you, she's done a lot, and so in 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 a variety of different um, worlds. I mean, the political world, and the education world, and the business world, and the speaker series, and so she I mean, you is. Can tell from, you can tell from her voice, she's still relatively young. I mean, you know, compared compared to me, she's probably extremely young. But so it's uh, it's uh, you know <laughs> you know this is we're not talking about some uh, you know some uh, person that's been on the earth for seventy years. Not that right, that's but old. She, but she's reinvented herself a lot in a short amount of time and increasingly successful venues, if you will, at culminating most recently in her book Standout, which. Uh, just came out here, I think, in uh, May, um, March, April, May time frame. So, uh, again, everybody, we we always we do vet the people that we have on the show, and uh, and Dory was highly recommended, and and uh, we you can certainly see why based on uh, based on the conversation. Brennan, is there anything in particular that Dory said that that stands out uh, to you? You know, I I. Um uh, 
narrowed it down to one thing would be pretty would be pretty tough. I you know I like the concept of of you know trying to identify things in your field that 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 people have overlooked. You know because I feel like you know we've done that, and obviously I try to you know I you automatically identify with things that we've been working on. Um, I uh, you know there's you know I so I, I, I generally like that concept. Um, but you know, you, you touched on one thing that I thought you were going to talk about, which was saying something that's controversial or you know is not going to be well received or you know is going to be challenged. And you know, her reaction was, you know, that that um, you, you need to expect that you need to be prepared for it to be challenged. But as long as it's grounded in you know good analysis. It's credible. Uh, people understand where you're coming from. They may not agree with it, uh, but it's it, in my mind. It almost has to be controversial to be picked up in you know the, this explosion of information. And then, of course, she goes on to share the idea about the gentleman Michael who was writing the reviews about apartments. And maybe that's not controversial, but certainly there's an opinion in there. Well, I'm sure he's like you know he's he's given his opinion, good and bad. You know, the reason I dug in and kind of went after the question about the trusted advisor group is, you know, you and I have some wonderfully talented, intelligent advisors who, you know, probably wouldn't suggest that wouldn't have suggested we did a lot of that we would have invested in a lot of the companies that we'd invested in just because they did, they weren't close enough to it and, and they didn't see what we were trying to do. And, and as you know, I know I could use some specific examples, uh, but, but, you know, and so that's why I was digging in there because it's hard to find people that share that, the, you know, the experiences that we've had. And so even though they're wonderfully talented and supportive of ours, um, we probably had, we listened to some of the advisors, we wouldn't have done a lot of the things that we did. How's that for talking in code? Uh, it's it's pretty darn good because I can I can figure out what you're talking about uh, without anybody else figuring out what you're talking about. Uh, but y- y- you know, I think that you also have to have conviction, right? And I think that while we really appreciate the interest, time, energy, and effort that our advisors have had, uh, and they have certainly changed our minds uh, on a number of occasions. You, you know, we have had conviction in our vision um, and we test it a lot. It's been run through the ringer many times, but it's sometimes you just got to say, you know what? I think this is the direction that we have to go and we've done it and we've been rewarded for it. We haven't, like, made, too, we haven't made too many mistakes. Right. I agree. And with the ones we did, we hopefully learned from a lot. So I tell you, Jeff, that was a, that was a good one. Uh, that was a really, really good one. And, um, um, I'm happy. Uh, so, do you have any other your bigger your big takeaways? I see. I got. Uh, I like the concept of. You know, it's, ahead, yeah, it's, it's it's just kind of developing in the sense that it may not have to be controversial, but it certainly has to be credible and informative. Uh, I think really to kind of get that to to be worthy of being out there in in and then it's really a matter of trying to get it out there and break through the just the sheer mass you know she said there's 100 hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute i mean that's just an incredible number how am i, but, how am I going to find time to watch all that jeff how am i possibly going to find I know. time to uh, TiVo, TiVo, because you always make it up. <laughs> anyway, uh, each week, want to think about uh, your organization, how it could be, and always remember to have 
a passion for possibilities. Have a great week, everyone. Uh, and remember, just get started on your business and uh, listen to the second stage each week for great ideas and have passion for possibilities. Anything else, Brendan? See you next week or talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. 